All right, everybody. It was a great time in the presence of God. Now it's time, another great time, because it's time to to get into the Word of God. Let's just pray before we do it. Before I say anything further, I'd like to pray. Father, we uh, we we thank you, Lord, for the, just the sense of your presence, and uh, it's nothing like it. Like I, I can understand how. David said, One thing have I desired that I may dwell in the house of the Lord, to behold the beauty of the Lord, to be in your presence. It's so awesome, Lord. But now that we are in your presence, we want to hear what you have to speak to us through your word. And we pray that the Holy Spirit will lead open all our hearts and me also as the as the proclaimer of your truth, that I will accurately Give, present your word and your truth. This I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, let's uh, open to the book of Revelation. We continue on this series of uh, Revelation, and uh, our passage is Revelation chapter 2, verse 8, all the way to verse 11. So it's a short passage. So um, let's read it. And to the angel of the church, in Smyrna, right, the words of the first and the last, who died and came to life. I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich. And the slander of those who say that they are Jews and are not, but are synagogue of Satan. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you in, into prison, that you may be tested. And for ten days you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. The one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. All right, so this is our fifth sermon in the series about the book of Revelation. And uh, I want to say this, we're going to take our time in this series because... Our aim is that through our preaching, you don't just get what, we, what we're telling, telling you, what the book says. But somehow, my hope is the way we preach, you may, you may learn how to actually read the Bible, especially this book of Revela the book of Revelation. So, uh, like I've said before, when we read the Bible, any passage... And the question we need to ask ourselves is, do I read into the text what I believe, or do I believe what I read out of the text? I'll say it again. The question we need to ask ourselves is that, do I read into the text what I believe, or do I believe what I read out of the text? And the next thing also, what it, uh, next point that is important when we read any passage in the Bible is that if that first point is important because if we don't get what it meant to the original or the, the first intended uh, audience or readers, we won't get what it means to us. So if you don't get what, you, what it what it meant to them, you will not get what, what it means to you. Okay, so let's 
with all that, let's recap some of the points that we've covered that are relevant to today's passage, okay? I want to say it again. The genre of, of the book of Revelation is, is called the apocalyptic literature. The Greek word for revelation pretty much apocalypsis literally means revelation, okay? It is a genre that that is a prophetic prophetical writing that developed that is developed in the post is exilic or post exile uh, Jewish culture. The kind that can be seen in the writing of Daniel, Ezekiel, Joel, you know, all these guys who, who wrote uh, some of the books in the, New, the Old Testament, Isaiah, and of course, in our case, the book of Revelation, which is written by John. And they were written when things looked dark and evil, and when evil looked and seemed to have the upper hand. That's when, that's normally the, the, the moment of his writing. And in the case of the writing of the book of Revelation, Jesus told John to write to the churches so they, this is the churches in Asia, the seven churches, so they would be ready for what was about to take place when their faith would be tested to the max. The purpose was to prepare them for what was coming. And as I mentioned previously, the major themes in this book are, one, the revelation of Jesus and the triumph of the church. And concerning this revelation of Jesus or the Son of Man, when you see whether it's New Testament or Old Testament, it's really interesting that the, all the, the, I mentioned in my, my, my sermon before about the revelation of Jesus, all the dramatic visions and imagery of God or Jesus or the Son of Man that are experienced by different men of God in the Bible, like Isaiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, and John, and Zechariah, you know, all those guys have to do with them being commissioned at a tumultuous time and difficult time. That's when the, 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 uh, the writing occurred. And specifically for Ezekiel, Daniel, and John, it was while these three guys, in their different times, in different contexts, historical contexts, while they were in exile. So the message, I believe, of the, this truth is that it's very clear that whatever situation we are in, the only guarantee to our survival is our right perspective. And the right, that right perspective is not of who Jesus is in the light of our situation or the situation we are in, but seeing whatever situation we are in, in the light of who Jesus is. And we will see how that connects with this passage. So before we unpack uh, the passage, let's look at the background of Smyrna. Okay, Smyrna was a prosperous city. Christians, however, were the poor community in this city. There were also, in this city, some Jews who were refugees fleeing the Palestinian land during the Roman siege of Jerusalem, which is in the year of 70 AD. That siege 
that resulted in uh, the destruction, total destruction of the temple, as prophesied by Jesus in, I think, Luke's, Luke chapter 21. And uh, for three centuries, Smyrna was one of the most important cities in Asia Minor, which is now Turkey. One of the centers, it was one of the centers of the imperial cult, which is emperor worship. This city, Smyrna, is the second city after Ephesus, like we heard last week, that received this privilege as a center of the emperor worship from the emperor itself. Okay? And the Jewish community in that city was quite significant in size. They were exempt from obligation to worship the emperor because their, their faith was considered as something as, as ancient faith. Now, Christianity was also considered part of Judaism because Jesus fulfilled the biblical promises to Israel, so also protected from persecution for the time being, for a time, okay? Unfortunately, some Jewish leaders saw it, saw it necessary to make themselves to make themselves distinguishable from the Christians. Some of them would even go as far as making Jewish Christians unwelcome uh, in their synagogues, or some even experienced excommunication. Their rejection and repulsion of Christians continued for decades, after, even after this time. As a matter of fact, in the early 2nd century, some Jewish accusers approached the Romans, or the Roman officials, and participated in betraying a guy by the name of Polycarp, who was a disciple of John, the writer of the book of Revelation, who became the bishop of Smyrna, this, this city that we're talking about, a betrayal that led him to his execution. It's crazy. Such repulsion and rejection is so, so harsh was the repulsion and the rejection of Christianity at that time. The reason I'm telling you all this is to highlight the hatred of the Jews towards the Christians, especially in Smyrna. And that fact sets the scene of what this church experienced and why Jesus needed to write them to strengthen them for what is to come. So let's go to the passage. In this passage, first I want to I give something that is interesting, the, the style of expression in this in this letter, okay? And that is the, the contrasting of two opposite realities. Of Jesus, in verse uh, chapter 2, verse 8, he said, uh, it says, Jesus, Jesus described himself as the first and the last, one who died and came to life. So you see the contrast there? And about, of the church of Smyrna, it says, you are poor, but you are rich. <laughs> You are persecuted by those claiming to be Jews, but are not, but of the synagogue of Satan's. And then, if you are faithful to the point of death, that faithfulness would lead, would, would lead to life. 
or lead, lead to gaining the crown of life. Okay, so interesting expression uh, in, this, in this letter. But now let's look at the structure. Like any other, like all the other letters to, to all the churches, the structure is always the same, pretty much similar. And that is acknowledgement, reproof, exhortation and warning, and then a promise or invitation. It's always that. If you read to all the churches, those four things is always there. Acknowledgement, reproof, exhortation or warning and promise or invitation. So let's go to the uh, acknowledgement. He, in verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 9, it says, I know. Okay, what, what does Jesus know? I know, first, your tribulation. Jesus said to them, that's the first thing that he addressed them. He said, I know your tribulation. I want to I wanna just talk about this tribulation. Whether we like it or not, tribulation is part of the package of being a Christian. It's that simple. It comes in all shapes or forms and all those things, whether you like it or not. As a matter of fact, Jesus, in John chapter 16, verse 13, Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation. John 16, 13, or 33. And we're going to touch more on, on, on this subject, on the, the uh, pre-tribulation rapture believers, that the Christians will be snatched out to, to escape the tribulation from the broader biblical theology, that is not correct. As a matter of fact, you won't find that scripture anywhere in the Bible. But even from the, the, the broader biblical theology, you know John 17 verse 15, what did, what did Jesus say? Okay, for I want to say this, we're going to talk more about that. We'll deal in more details in the future. People who believe that the Christians will be snatched out of the world to escape a tribulation. Do you know what Jesus said in his last prayer before going to the cross? In John chapter 17, verse 15, what did Jesus say? He said, Father, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world. But I ask you that you will keep them in the world from the evil one. In other words, Jesus had no intention of snatching them out of the world. He said, no, I'm not asking you to do that. But keep them from the evil one while they were in the world. Isn't that beautiful? So, number one, Jesus said, I know your tribulation. And the next thing he said, I know your poverty, but you are rich. Isn't that interesting? In this letter to the seven churches, there are two that receive the harshest rebuke. And there are Sardis and Laodicea, we'll talk about that later. And there are two that receive the highest commendation, and, which is Smyrna and Philadelphia. Smyrna is the church that we're talking about now. Okay? And to Sardis, one of the that received uh, the harshest uh, 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 rebuke from Jesus, Jesus said, you have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. <laughs> It, isn't that interesting? My conclusion is this. What's interesting is that 
our reputation is not always a measure of our spirituality. We might look good in the outside, but God knows what's in the inside. Anyway, that's another subject. I'd love to talk about reputation and character one day in, in, in a sermon. <laughs> we, we, mankind, spend their, their life building reputation rather than building, building their character. Anyway, back to Smyrna. Jesus said, you are poor, but you are rich. This reminds me of Jesus himself. The Bible describes Jesus as the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone chosen and precious. That's in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11. What men esteem, God might not be impressed. So, yeah. And the next thing is Jesus said, I know the slander of those who say that they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. And uh, like I said before, these Jews, they hated Christians. And in that point of history, the Christians saw themselves as true Jews. Like, you know, when you read, in, I think in um, Romans chapter 2, verse 28 or 25, where Paul says, those who are Jews are not Jew Jews outwardly, but inwardly. And those who are second of the circumcision are not one outwardly, but inwardly. So the Jews at that time see themselves as the true Jews. And so when they see the, 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 the Jewish people in the synagogue, they say, you're the ones that actually have apostatized. So, uh, and uh, you left the faith because Jesus came to fulfill. Now, here's the thing. When it says, I know the slander of those who say that they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. This slander involved some of the Jews who would go as far as becoming informers to drop on Christians to the Romans and false accusations and all those things. Like I said before, it goes all the way to the second century, early second century, or even almost to the third century, where the guy, like I said before, Polycarp, was executed. And the situation was so bad that some Christians might have lost income or experienced confiscation of their property by refusing to participate in the trade associations of business people because in that associations of businessmen, they have, uh, they will, they will, do the the, uh, the rituals of of the worshiping the emperor it's part of the, the the business thing that's that will sort of take your mind to the whole mark of the beast and and uh, you know people can buy and sell that's pretty much that's what it is so they would lose their properties that they, they you know they lose income and all those things and uh so uh because they refused to participate in the honor of the emperor and, and also Greek and Roman de deities. So, so we've, we've gone through the, uh, the acknowledgement from Jesus. And now, as I said, rebuke. They don't have the rebuke. Nothing. It's all 
It's all Jesus says, I know what, what you're going through. Now we move to the point of exhortation, chapter 2, verse 10. He says, do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. What kind of suffering? He said, the devil will put some of you into, into, in prison to test you. You will suffer persecu persecution for 10 days. Okay, uh, you can underline that persecution. Okay. It's not the world that, 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 that experience persecution. Christians who love God that are experiencing this for 10 days. Now, the 10 days is symbolic like many other things of time in, in the book of Revelation. Uh, all those, those times are symbolic and numbers are symbolic. So it indicates a period of time. Yet the real point here is that this period of time will be filled, okay, the reality that they are experiencing in that time of, of testing, being put into, into prison, this time will be filled with a level of torture and some of the torture might lead even to death. That's what they were experiencing in prison. That's why the exhortation here is, in this verse, be faithful even to the point of death. Because that's what they might be experiencing. The torture, even unto death. And who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. So the promise, those who are faithful to the point of death, Will receive the crown of life. That's in verse 11. And he who overcomes will not be hurt by the second death, which means the ultimate eternal death. Let's look at the, uh, the importance of the revelation of Jesus. There's a point here where I'm going. Yeah. Like I said before in the previous sermon, that the guarantee, like before, the guarantee to our survival in, in our, our, uh, our survival in, the, in a difficult situation is that our right perspective, and that is to see Jesus not in the light of the situation we're in, but rather to see whatever situation we are in, in the light of who Jesus really is. And we'll see, if, as, as I look at and study this, this uh, passage, there is a par parallel between the revelation of Jesus to the situation the churches were in. Let's see. To the Ephesians who were in danger of losing the, the lampstand or their status as a church, Jesus revealed himself as the one holding the seven stars, or, which is the government of the church that I mentioned here when she and she preached about the Ephesus, and who walks among the golden lampstand. Can you see that? To these guys who are about to lose their status as, as, a, as a church, who is uh, about to, lo to lose their, their lampstand, Jesus revealed himself as the one who's in charge over all the like, seven lampstands. Okay? But to Smyrna, who was facing possibility of jail, torture, as well as death, Jesus revealed himself as the first and the last who died and came to life in verse 8 to 9. And the promise is that be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. 
and the one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. While overcoming for the church of the church of Ephesus is returning to the love they had at first, for the Smyrnians, the church in Smyrna, it is being faithful even to the point of death. Okay? Now here's what is interesting. Like the church of Smyrna, the church of Ephesus actually did preserve, uh, persevere and endured hardship. When you read, when I read the, the story, the, 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 the letter to the church in Ephesus, and I thought, Lord, they actually endured hardship and they actually persevered. But what, what is the problem? The problem is, that, and, I, and I just, as, I, as I read this, I realize that the problem is that somewhere in the process of enduring and persevering, they lost the love in the process. The love they had at first. And I want to say this. This is important. An important point. This is not an uncommon occurrence in, in uh, Christian life. Yeah. Many Christians have claimed to have been through the fire of life. But the point is that what glorifies God is not just that we've been through the fire, but that we've been through it and yet not burnt. Or smelling of smoke <laughs> and boy you get with those Christians you can smell smoke in the in the room <laughs> yeah here's the point the proof of true Christians is this having the ability to go through persecution without losing what marks us as Christians and that is loving our enemies just like our our Lord Jesus, at the time of crucifixion, he prayed, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. It's interesting, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, Paul, you know, the uh, love chapter in, in Corinthians, letter to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verse 4 Paul said that love is patient but he didn't stop there love is patient and kind are we getting this so it's not just patient but in the midst of going through that thing and being patient be kind about it <laughs> love is not just being patient and, and, and put up with things no 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 you have to be sweet in the midst of being patient and kind. Okay, I want to read one more scripture as conclusion here. Let's go to First Peter chapter six, chapter one. First Peter chapter one, verse six to seven. All right. It says he says this Peter in encouraging the believers. He said, In this you rejoice, 
Though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, which is more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So what Peter is saying is that the trials is meant to make us better, not bitter. I'll say it again. The trial or trials that we go through is meant to make Christians better, not bitter. Just going through the fire is not enough, but rather when we go through the fire, the result in us is that we become as pure as refined gold, according to that scripture that we just read. Then, that is what gives glory to God. Many Christians I know, some, some of them I know quite well, have been through the fire, but unfortunately, instead of becoming like pure refined gold, they become cynical, and bitter Christians. It's nothing worse than that. And the encouragement of Jesus to the church in Smyrna is be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. The one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. Uh, so how can be like how can we be like the Smyrnians or the Church of Smyrna? When we go through situation, death could mean anything. The, the thing about death is losing something precious to us. It could be anything. But it's losing something that is so precious to us. And, uh, but here's the thing. To have the right perspective, for us to have the right perspective, we have to keep this in mind. In the kingdom of God, death is not the end, it's a new beginning. Really. Whether it's literally or figuratively speaking, death is not an end, it's a new beginning. When you, when you especially in times like this, you feel a loss of something. I have to deal with this. Because, you know, church life going up and down and up and down. And, you know, someone like me, it's like, God, you know, what, 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 what happened then? You know, like you, you sort of start to count with things like, you know, oh, did we do this? Like to me, it's like, you know what? God is the one building the church. And I'm not in charge of the church. Like the book of Revelation shows that Jesus is the one walking walking uh, through and fro, you know, the seven golden lampstand. And uh, he's the one in charge. And, and what I get from, from this book, uh, from reading the situation in Smyrna, is that like, okay, Lord, I, I have experienced, even in, in ministry, a sense of loss. And I feel like God is saying to me, Bram, that's what it is. Death is a new beginning for my people. Some things have to die in you. So I can begin something new. 
So I don't know where you are at at the moment as uh, members of, of whoever wat watches this now. Whatever you're experiencing, just give it to God. God, I believe you are the God of a new beginning. And uh, maybe some of you are tempted or maybe already there in the point of being cynical. And I've seen it. People become cynical about church because of the disillusionment and all those things. We're not going to be perfect. Neither Memorial Life, neither any other church. But like Jesus said, just be faithful to the end. And when you feel like you, you're experiencing a loss of something, whether it be church experience or anything else, just see it as a, this is a new beginning. There's always a new beginning in God. Let's just pray. Father, I pray for uh, our people. You guys can, can all the measles can just come and, uh, and uh, start, start the music. Lord, we thank you, Father. It is a privilege to walk hand in hand with you. Whether we're just members of the church, whether we're leaders in the church, whether we're pastors like me and Diane, senior pastors of the church, the experience of, of death and harshness of life and tribulation and, and all those things is just part of part of Christian life. You promised us <laughs> the promise that we don't necessarily want to claim, but it's a reality that in this world we will have tribulation. But you didn't stop there, you said, take courage. I am with you. Thank you, Jesus. And right now, many people hearing this sermon might pray that they will hold on to hope, knowing that, just like the psalmists say, yea, though I walk in the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Bless your people. That verse in Psalm 23, I remember my mom. I was, I was only a primary school student. The way she explained it to me, she said, the sub whenever you see a shadow, the substance of that shadow is only a step closer or somewhere nearby so when David said I walk in the valley of shadow of death he was saying that death is just a step beyond but what matters to David is that that God was with him that's what my mom taught me and whatever situation we go through it's not what the situation we, we were in, but whether God is close to us or not. We just have to know that. So, come on, be encouraged. God is there. Jesus, Jesus promised, I will never leave you nor forsake you. 
And we believe that. Thank you, Jesus. Bless your people. Bless your people, Lord. Amen. Have a good day, and let's just worship God, okay?